0: May God bless His words, and make them powerful, and make them effective in our lives today as we receive those words that God truly gives to us this morning. This morning, I'd like to focus in upon our reading from the Epistle of James. For several weeks in a row, we've heard Scripture lessons from the Epistle, the Letter of James, which is one of the final small books at the end of the Bible. Uh, But today I I feel compelled to preach upon it and to take a look at what James, the brother of the Lord Jesus, has to say to us. James is oftentimes given a bum rap. He's given a bad rap that sometimes people uh, don't like what James has to say very much. And so sometimes people avoid the letter of James altogether, but then other times people can misconstrue and misinterpret James and, and try to make him say something that Perhaps he really isn't saying. So a lot of times people will not, are not sure how to handle the book of James. As was reminded to me after our nine o'clock service this morning, at one point in his life, Luther even called James an epistle of straw. And yes, he did, but Luther also slept on a mattress that was filled with straw. And so straw was pretty important to Luther. And so James is pretty important to us. But I want to look at it today and realize that James is is not contradictory to the rest of the New Testament, but is complementary and fits together with the whole message that the New Testament brings to us as followers of Jesus. And so what James is really getting at is that it's written to encourage believers in Jesus. So it's written to those who believe in Jesus, like you and like me, to encourage us to put our faith into action, to put our faith into practice. Now, we know as Christians that we believe that faith is very important. We know that we are rescued from our sins by God's grace alone through faith alone, that it is only by faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved and that we are made right with God and that we are guaranteed the gift of everlasting life. Faith alone... But faith alone is is truly never alone. Faith without works, James says, is dead. And that is probably the most famous verse in this epistle, James 2, verse 17. Faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. And so faith receives Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but what good is faith if you just let it sit? What good is faith if you don't live it out, if you don't put it into practice? And so the epistle of James is written to encourage those who do believe in Jesus. Don't just sit on your faith and act as if it's just some sort of insurance policy, but live it out, express it, put it into action. And so as we've listened to different readings from the book of James over the last several weeks, James talks about different ways in which Christians are to live out their life of faith, put their faith into action. And today, a specific aspect of our life of faith has to do with prayer. And so James chapter 5 speaks about the importance of living a life of prayer and prayer being a way in which you put your faith in Jesus into action. And so we put our faith into action, James is going to teach us, when we pray, and when we pray in every single kind of situation we face. And so prayer simply means to converse with God, to communicate with God. And so God, who is the maker of the heavens and the earth, the Lord who is almighty, who is sovereign, who, whose hands stretched forth the galaxies, whose word brought everything into being out of nothing. The God who is large, and yes, he's in charge, has humbled himself and has stooped down to save us in Jesus, but he's also humbled himself and stooped down to hear the prayers of his people. Because he loves to hear his children pray, and so James is going to encourage us to pray in every kind of situation that we face. Look at his words with me this morning, James chapter 5 verses 13 through 15. He first of all says, "Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone among you happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And so James says no matter what you're going through in life, remember to pray. God wants to hear about it. If you're down in the valley, pray. If you're up on the mountain, pray. If you're experiencing troubles, pray. If you're experiencing joys, pray in each and every way. Pray today, pray tomorrow, pray the next day. And James isn't alone when he gives us that command to always be a life, living a life of prayer. But Paul says the same thing. Paul, when he's writing to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says rejoice always, pray always continually give thanks in all circumstances, the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, the troubles or the joys, the mountaintops or the valleys, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We put our faith into action when we pray in each and every kind of situation we face. But James is going to help us narrow the focus From all situations into particular situations in which troubles rise. And so first of all, what do we do when the waters rage? That is when troubles come from outside of us. When we are faced with the troubles of sickness or other distractions in this world. When we feel that the waves and the wind are against us. Let us call upon the Lord. One example in the scripture that teaches us to call upon the Lord when we're facing troubles from outside. What this broken world does to us or what others may do to us is from Luke chapter 8. And this story is included in different gospel accounts, but in Luke chapter 8, you remember the, the story is that the disciples of Jesus are out in the boat in the middle of the water. And it says that all of a sudden a storm arises. A furious squall comes up. And the wind is blowing. And the waves are crashing over this boat. And the disciples are scared to death. And do you remember what Jesus is doing when the disciples are fearing for their lives? What's he doing? He is sleeping, he's sawing logs. His head is on a pillow, he is sleeping. He's letting the wind and the waves torment His disciples, and He's asleep. And so in Luke chapter 8, verse 24, it says the disciples went and woke Him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray, James says. There's a prayer in times of trouble. Maybe that could be your prayer. Master, Master, I feel like I'm going to drown. I feel like I'm being hit and battered by the wind and the waves of this life, and you're asleep on a cushion. Master, Master, we're going to drown. That's a prayer that God wants to hear His children pray. Even if that's all that you can muster, I feel like I'm going to drown. Master, Lord, Jesus is honored to hear His children call out to Him. And when He got up, He rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. What kind of person is this who can speak to the elements of nature and they take direction at his command? This is none other than God in the flesh. This is none other than the man who created the waters and who gives the wind and therefore has his word that commands them. This is my Savior. This is my Jesus. This is the one who indeed sometimes with his word calms the troubles of life when we feel as if we're going to drown. But other times, he simply calms the heart of his children. But when the troubles arise from outside, what does James say we are to do? Let us pray. Let us call upon the Lord. But then there's those other times when the troubles are indeed around us, but they're also coming from within us. And the wind and the waves are inside our hearts and our souls. And we are weighed down by our own brokenness. We are weighed down by our own sins. We are weighed down by what we have done or by what has been done to us. And even in those internal waters and tempests, what's the command? Turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord for forgiveness. And so James says, we turn to the Lord for forgiveness, for healing on the outside when the forces of nature against us or when we need protection from God's mighty hand in a physical way, but also coupled with our need for physical help is our need for spiritual help. Those always go together. God not only protects and heals and delivers with the outside, but also on the inside. James 5, 15 and 16. If they, that is the person going through times of trouble, has sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healed, yes, by the tender touch of the healer, but healed also in your souls. Healed, saved, rescued. Master, Master, we're going to drown. And then taking hold of the hand that reaches out to you and realizing that the hand that reaches out to you is scarred because a nail had been driven through it. That that hand that stretches out to you is the same hand that was stretched out upon the cross, reaching out to all of the world and inviting all who are weighed down and troubled by their sins to turn to the Lord for His blood-bought forgiveness. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. James's word is complementary to what the other books of the New Testament say. 1 John chapter 1, John, the apostle of the Lord Jesus, said it this way, If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful, and God, who is righteous and just, what will He do? He will forgive. He will forgive our sins, and He will purify us, cleanse us entirely from all unrighteousness. When we confess our sins to God, we know that He gives perfect healing. On the outside and on the inside. And so what has he done? He hears his kids pray. And in turn, he answers their prayers. Master, Master, we're going to drown. Father, forgive me. I need your help. And what does he do? He forgives. And he declares that you and I are righteous in Jesus Christ. And when we are declared to be righteous in Jesus Christ we are assured of the effectiveness of our prayers. Now, I mentioned before that James sometimes is misused, and this is one of the passages that is misused in the epistle of James, where it simply says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so what sometimes that verse taken out of context is used to say is that some will say, well, if you are a good person, then God will hear your prayers. If you do enough good things in life, then God will give you good things in life. And if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, then God in prayer will make sure that you get more good things than bad things. You see how that can be twisted? And it can be turned into this idea that God is some kind of works-oriented God. And that Christianity is a works-oriented religion that would be no different than anything else, including a Hindu concept of karma, that good things will happen to good people. But that is not what the Scripture is saying. What the Scripture is saying is that those who have been made righteous, then through their lives of prayer can be assured of the power and the effectiveness of their prayer. But how then are we made righteous? We must look at James in the context of the whole Scripture. Paul's words in Romans chapter 3 tell us, this righteousness, and righteousness is just a big word that means right standing or the ability to stand in the presence of God. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, between insider and outsider. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified, made right with God, freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Through faith in Jesus alone, God has made you right with Him. Through faith in Jesus alone, God has assured you that he hears and answers your prayers. Through faith in Jesus alone, you have the promise that you have heaven to look forward to. But faith alone is never alone. We're declared righteous so that we can go and live a righteous life. We are given forgiveness so that we can go and be forgiving. We are loved by God so that we can go and be loving. We're served by God so that we can go and serve our neighbor. We don't do those things in order to make ourselves right with God. We do those things because we have been made right with God. Do you see the difference? And so the prayer of a righteous person, a person who's been declared righteous in Christ, is powerful and effective The power and the effectiveness of our prayers does not depend upon us as human beings, but it depends upon the one who stands with us when we pray, the one who takes our feeble prayers and makes them known to the Father above, who says, Father, answer this child's prayer just as you answer me. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible describes the Lord Jesus Christ as a great high priest who goes before us. And in Jesus, when we pray in his name, and in Jesus, when we pray according to God's will, we know that God will, in his will, take action. Because James is all about action. Faith without action is dead. God takes our prayers, and he makes them powerful and effective. He takes action for your good, for the blessing of His children, and for the furtherance of His kingdom. Look at these words. These words that give us life that's never-ending. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone up into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we don't have a high priest who's unable to understand who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then, in Jesus, approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us approach the throne of grace knowing that our prayers are powerful and effective because we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who is powerful and effective in our lives. And so may we do that. May we pray, and may we know that God loves to hear and to answer His people's prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.